Madison's Alternative, 106.7 The Resistance. This week on the Disruptor Series, I am joined by Secondhand Sound. Hello, guys. Hello. Hello. What's up? So you guys are two sets of best friends who came together to form a band. How did that work out? High school <laughs> and boredom. I don't know. Well, yeah. So Sawyer and Plank, talk about how you guys met in Maryland. And- Plank and I, we went to the same high school in Maryland, Urbana High School. We sat, we like had mutual friends. We sat next to each other at a lunch table our junior year. And then a few weeks later, we figured out that we both liked music in the same way. Slowly over time, like started trying to form a band. And then we ended up just becoming a two piece with Plank on the drums and me singing and playing guitar, just like a Black Keys uh, cover band situation. Yeah. And then we, high school ended. I went to school down in Nashville and then he did too. And that's where we met Cam and Teague. Yeah, and, and just for reference, the Maryland boys, that's our lead singer and our drummer. And then I'm the electric guitarist and Tegan is our bassist. And uh, Tegan and I's families, like our parents were best friends in college. So we grew up together and all of our siblings, like each of our families has four kids. So they're like our cousins. Tegan was the grade above me, but as he was taking a gap year in Europe, he was interested in Belmont, which got me interested in Belmont. And I... It's like it's working out that I could room with like my best friend who's always been a great older. So yeah, we moved right across the hall from Sawyer and Plank. And we weren't going to Belmont with the intention of joining a band. We were just like interested in music, but it just so happened that the perfect set of people were right across the hallway. And we got along as friends before we ever joined as a band. So that's kind of been the cornerstone of our relationship is just being friends from college that love music and that has served us well through the last three years or so. Does it feel like fate in some ways? All the time. Yeah. So many things happen that feel like not like it just can't be chance. Like we'd somehow stay alive. Like every three months we hit a dead end and something keeps us on the tracks. (laughs) It's always one of those things that I always explain to the three of them, even just to hear it out loud for myself. But like, there's a lot of things that have happened to us that don't happen to any other bands, which just like keeps us in it all the more. Like I always look at them and be like, there are hundreds of bands that would kill for what is happening right now. Like doing an interview with you. Yeah, it's we're, we're constantly pinching ourselves like all the time. So how long have you guys been a band and how long would you say that it's been a serious endeavor? I don't know the exact, like down to the month. We met in, I believe, October, right? Yeah, the fall. 2018, so we're coming on, I think we're exactly three years. Yeah, we're almost exactly three years. But it's been, I would say it took a year for us to get really, like to understand that we could be really good if we go after it. And then a year after that where we started to see results of like, yes, that, that year that we just put in, so I would say like two years into it was when like we were really like pedal to the metal. And like the last year has just been grinding and saving uh, just for our new album that came out. And like it took basically a full year to get that done. So well, that must have been hard to be pushing the pedal to the metal during a pandemic. Yes. While everybody else is just shutting down and you guys are like, we're ready to go. Yeah. Sawyer is really what got the album started for us. So I don't know if you wanted to explain like kind of beginning of the pandemic and how that kind of turned out for us. We had all made the collective decision to drop out of school right before the pandemic hit. 
we made the decision to finish out our semesters just to get our money's worth. Our schools had us on spring break, so we were all collectively at our like family's houses. And as soon as we were on spring break, like the world like changed, and I freaked out for about two months. And I'm I can't speak for other boys, but I freaked out. And my way of freaking out was uh, I sat in my parents' basement bathtub with candles on. I was like, I'm going to use this time to write our album. If there's any time, it's now. So I sat down there and I, I like just really honed in on myself as a songwriter. And I took stock of where the band was going at the time and where I personally wanted it to go and where the other guys might want it to go. And I just got to writing and... I figured by the time we come back, if I don't have like 30, 40 songs to choose from, then I don't think I've done my job in this band. So, and it just needs to be kept alive at this point. So I did that. And then I moved back to Nashville with Plank on June 1st. Throughout that time, I I kept writing, but I started working at a golf course. I worked at two different golf courses as like a cart attendant somewhere in like August last year. I had so many songs and I was, and there was no sign of camera Teague. They were still in um, California, just trying to figure out a way to get back. And I was getting restless because I had so many songs. And I, at that point, I wasn't sure if the band was still going to be a thing. And I was like, I might as well record at least two of these just to like get back into the studio because it's been so long. I reached out to our producer for the album, Alex Stanley. I had been following Matt Martin, who mixed and mastered our record. And he plays bass for like Coin. He's in a, a dope band called Wonderwild. Just through his Instagram, I found Alec and, and I thought he might be cool. And he had produced a song by a band named Hefner called All Alone Baby. And I had been, I was in like a Radiohead phase at the time. So I just loved that kind of sound. And um, I reached out to Alec and I was like, do you like these kinds of like songs? Like I'd like to try and have a crack at making some with you. And he was super enthusiastic. And we made a date for me to drive down to Athens, Georgia, to their studio, Gift Horse, and we recorded Dominoes and Chesapeake together without any notion of it being on an album. It was just for the sake of recording them because I had so many songs stockpiled. And I actually picked those songs because I didn't think it was going to work for the band. So we recorded those, and then I had such a good experience down there watching all of the guys that live down there. There's like a really healthy community of artists and bands in Athens. Most of them are like five, six, seven years older than us. And it was kind of like a glimpse into what what we could be if we just kept dedicating ourselves to this. Like they're all so good and just like the craziest musicians you've seen. I wanted the boys to experience that. I had a book dates down a few months later with the band to record. I think it was Armchair Quarterbacks and Stevie. We recorded those and I was like, well, shit, this is a record because they sounded so cohesive with Domino's and Chesapeake. So from then on, we were like, all right, we might as well do this. And the so rest. what was that experience like for the rest of the band to be working on Sawyer songs? Uh, I mean, it was such a new experience for all of us recording the way that we did. <clears throat> Before, for the Burnout EP, it was mostly like a live recording. All of us were in the same room together and just playing the songs like five times back to back. We just picked the best take and then that was it. But this time around, it was more so individual parts and going to the studio one by one and kind of like working on 
individual parts and kind of making the song build up that way as opposed to just all playing at the same time it was pretty cool and to answer your question about the songwriting before this album Sawyer was writing probably about 70 percent to 80 percent of what we were using anyways and especially live like if we had a good experience with the song live nine times out of ten probably ten times out of ten it was probably a song written by Sawyer just because like Sawyer really sits with them for a long time and like won't forget the words to his own song and just like I feel like he's just I mean he's the strongest songwriter for our type of music as a band so it felt very natural I mean he sent us a bunch of voice memos for like ideas and so many of the those voice memos are our songs on the album. And I just think we were just stoked that we had something to like hit the ground running with when we got back in town that really like, we were just honored that he would add Chesapeake and Domino's to our album or like suggest adding it. Cause he, he went to all of us individually and asked and like knowing that like he might get some backlash considering, you know, we weren't on those songs, but genuinely, I mean, they're, I'm not ashamed to say that they're two of my favorite songs on the album, if not my two favorite. And it's more just like, I think we were all just really impressed with like how Sawyer blossomed during a very difficult time for artists and songwriters, like very isolated time. We just felt lucky compared to a lot of other bands that took a full halt and that were like ready to tour. Like we were just given a lot of time and a lot of material from Sawyer to make a full album. And even though it took a year, we always had something to be working on and like tweaking and we did overdubs at my house in Nashville. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think it was a really good experience that sort of had all the songs ready to go. I, I, there weren't any hard feelings. So what's next for you guys? If you had 40 songs, does that mean you got four albums ready? You know, they weren't all good. <laughs> I'm pretty focused on album two right now. That's something that I'm kicking around a lot. Just the very beginning stages though. I'd like to have, 40 songs with them. I've been telling them, I, I want them to be just as involved in the making the songs because it's a pain in the ass being in the trenches by yourself on that in that part. But it'll happen. We've, we've got a lot going on with this album right now that we need to take care of. So in due time, we won't, we won't be gone for too long. Do you plan to tour for this album? Absolutely. We want to be road dogs for long. <laughs> by the end of the year, we'd, we're on the road, but it's not 100% paved out yet. We'll announce that kind of thing in the following weeks, probably. And everything kind of changes day to day, so it's hard to plan that out still. Absolutely. We're excited for it, though. We'll, we'll do our, whatever we need to. We, we've understood for a long time that in order to earn a fan base in, or just listeners in our genre, you've got to get out on the road and just earn it, like two, three people at a time. We've played plenty of shows to nobody, and we're prepared to do it again for however long it takes. But you turn around more times than not and realize how many people are supporting you. So that makes the three-person shows, with and one of them being the bartender, all the while worth it. Yeah, we're excited. That's in your bio. You mentioned multiple times that you guys have to pay your dues. Is that what you mean by that? Are there other things that you yeah. mean by that? I think I think all of that kind of thing is important. It's important. All of the people that we look up to, I don't think we'd feel right looking them in the eye. Like achieving any kind of success and looking any of our heroes in the eye, being able to like really know, like we want to know that we earned being able to stand in, in the room with people. And just in a time in the industry right now where we just watch so many kids on TikTok just getting 15 minutes of fame. And then there's so many bands and artists that I know just deserve a lot 
just not to knock TikTok. Oh, we're, we're not the explosive viral kind of sound. Like a lot of our songs, like Chesapeake, like that's a slow burn kind of song. You have to spend like almost like six and a half minutes or however long it is out of your day to really get the full gist of that song. And most people's attention span is like cut down to like sort of saying like 15 seconds. Yeah. It, like just viral, like just things that are really easy to consume. And we take our music very seriously. And like some of our songs are serious and long and, you know, are a longer ride. And I feel like playing songs like that live is like that's why I think playing live is going to be important because that's when you have nothing else to do. I mean, unless you're sitting on your phone in the pit of a show, like you have to sit there and and that's why. Well, you also get to know them live in a different, it's a different relationship with the songs live than it is making it on the record. Yeah. Like even just practicing these songs, there's just so much that I'd find out about them a year and a half after it's been written and six months after it's been recorded like we find new ways that we want to play things like little things. And then it's always the moment where we're like, Oh, we should have done that. That's kind of the fun part about it. And I'm sure that relationship will, will grow for years to come with those kinds of songs. That being said, we are very excited to be touring and playing. That's the dream. In your bio, Tegan says, we've always had this weird thing where we never once doubted that we wouldn't actually make it. Do you still feel that way? I, I would definitely say so and just and the thing is i think wanting to do performance like music performance as a living and music creation that kind of stuff from the get-go is just such a classic like okay sure i'm sure that'll work out for you type thing obviously we all had to go to our parents and respective families with the same ambitions and thoughts that probably wasn't super easy to hear because in regard to job security, our particular interests is like very, very low in regard to the amount of people that make successful lives doing it. But just kind of like, I think it ties hand in hand with like the whole, uh, the statement you said earlier regarding like, is it fate type thing in the sense of just like, I feel like as a band, all the moments where we've really been down to the wire, there have been things that have kind of like a phoenix just like swept in and saved us and it's because of those moments and i think whenever we actually stop and look back whenever we get discouraged about either the growth that we're wanting to experience that we're not there yet or the shows that we're wanting to play that we haven't played yet kind of sit down and think like dang like think about just the life of the band in regard to just all the bands that we admire and idolize and that kind of stuff in the sense of like it's it's going pretty well like we've only been together for three years we've only had our first record out for (laughs) two weeks and that kind of stuff so i think yeah it definitely just goes down to the fact of things happen that none of us could ever predict and it's because of those moments that just give us that extra fuel in the tank when we're trying to get to a destination that just really keeps us inspired and like bonded in the sense of like you know what like this band is gonna work out because you know we've had too many close call moments that we've miraculously avoided that we just can't stop now. It feels kind of like an unforeseen hand behind us, like pushing us through. So yeah, definitely still think that regardless of the circumstances, if anything, this is like the most excited we've ever been about like second and sound and just the record and the potential touring and just the, you know, world domination that I think we've all been dreaming about but it's become more palpable in these past few weeks with all this new content that we're able to really play around with and like 
listen to fans about and connect with fans about and all that kind of stuff. And talk about paying your dues. You're sitting on the side of the road right now with a flat tire <laughs> and still joining us. I know. This. I know. No, this is honestly saving me because I got to wait for a tow. So like I would legit be just hanging out in a hot car, but I'm <laughs> glad I can be on an interview. It's so exciting. So no, I know this is peak national living. My car does not like national streets. They mess my car up. There's so many nails and stuff on the road. It annoys me. There's a but, lot of potholes. Yeah, I was there. In- so many potholes. Yeah. It's brutal. You gotta drive around them, Teague. I do. I do my best. <laughs> it's not even the potholes that get me. I feel like it's just like the the shrapnel from whatever leaves it behind. It, that's what gets you. It's like straight up 10-inch nail that's on the road for no good reason besides the fact of like popping tires. Was it a nail <laughs> that popped your tire or was it? did it like explode in a pothole or something? You know what? I'm going to get a diagnosis. I'll let you guys know. I have no idea. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> eager to find out. To update. Could have been an inside <laughs> yeah. job. We got, we got to have a second interview call back just for me to announce. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Cards got out of the shop, got diagnosed <laughs> and then being a nail. I don't know what it was. I don't think it was a pothole. So we're going to check out your new song, Knievel. That's from your new album, Best and Worst of Times. Why was Knievel picked for the single? That wasn't my decision. <laughs> I feel like Knievel is just a fun song. I feel like Knievel, when we listened back through the monitors when we were recording it, because Knievel was a very last minute push for kind of like the song off the record, even though it, I definitely don't think we have a song that's like the song off the record. I think they're all equally great. But I think when we listened to Knievel, we were like, dang, like this is like a really fun song. And it was like really kind of like fresh for our discography and stuff. And I felt like it achieved a certain feeling that the other songs not failed to achieve, but more so just had different goals through a listener's ears as opposed to Knievel. Yeah. So I, I think it was just simply a matter of the fact of like, if we're going to push something, we might as well have it be just a really great time. And I think once we heard the chorus of Knievel, we're just like, dang, like this is just an absolutely ripping chorus. And our production team agreed with us when we were making it. They were like, this is pretty sweet. So yeah, I think the second we finished Knievel, we honestly pushed it to mastery like right away to get it right back in our hands to make it. I think it was the second single. It wasn't supposed to be the second single, but it became a second single because we wanted to get out on the platforms as soon as possible. But yeah, it's just a, just a good time. Just the, the, I think I love like the unique taste of like what we were trying to achieve in regard to like has, has a little bit of the cure in there, a modern take for the chorus and all these things. So I just think it's like a through and through just a really fun secondhand sound song that was just as fun to make as it was to listen back when we were done with it. So what would you have picked, Sawyer? Yeah, yeah sorry. What would you have picked? <laughs> I'm a big Stevie fan. When we were deciding between what the first single was going to be, I kind of wanted it to be Chesapeake, but everybody's like, it's six minutes long, man. You can't do that. Kniva was a good one. I'm just the last person you should be asking about singles. I was a shadow support on the Chesapeake single, by the way, because <laughs> I love Chesapeake. But I also could see the fact that giving, because like I, I wouldn't mind pushing a six-minute song as a single, but like handing it over to radio stations and like, hey. That was the big thing is the yeah, radio. Which wouldn't. like, you know, it's whatever. It's just, I couldn't imagine that go, like translating to everyone being excited about like playing a six and a half minute. Every time we play Knievel Live though, people sing along. So I can't complain about it. I, I like that song. I'm just more- like asking you to pick your favorite child. Yeah, I definitely have favorite children. I don't know if I should be telling you which ones aren't my favorites. (laughs) They're all all my favorites. 
every one of them. Well, thank you guys so much for joining me today. Of course, thanks, Miranda. Thanks for having us. Thank you. We're going to listen to Knievel by Secondhand Sound right now on The Resistance. 